Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Are you tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And then Luke says, you were leading with your emotions the other night. I know you weren't showing your true character. And Tyler says, why are you telling her who she is, bro? Tyler, my prince. (laughs) Tyler just keeps interjecting with some, like, casually, like, feminist (laughs) statements. Welcome to Here to Make Friends, a HuffPost podcast about the Bachelor franchise, where we lovingly snark on The Bachelor and Bachelor-adjacent shows. Whether you love The Bachelor or love to hate it, we're here to break down every single delicious moment with you. I'm Emma Gray. And I'm Claire Fallon. So Claire, there's some major television news breaking this morning. Word on the street is that a show has been canceled. I think I know what you're talking about, but I'd actually like to take a moment to think about how I'm going to properly respond. One moment. <laughs> Deep breath. So I think you're referring to the Luke show, Emma. The and... puke show. <laughs> I am. Yes. And I guess I would just have to say that I have no regrets about that being canceled. I have no regrets, but I do feel deeply misunderstood. I'm so sorry that you feel that way, but unfortunately, we're going to have to move ahead with the recap now. I'm struggling to process. Let's give her a moment to do that. And in the meantime, I'll just let you know that we don't have a guest today. Uh, Our bookings fell through. But we're excited to just have the two of us here, Luke P. and Chris Harrison style, to Okay, talk I think I finally understood what you were saying. You said we need to get into the recap. The recap. The recap. Mm-hmm. I've thought about it. I've processed. I've thought about how I have been victimized in all of this. I mean— That sounds—I don't know how if I like the sound of that, because it feels like I'm being misunderstood now, which I thought we were trying to avoid— <laughs> Wow. How are we ever going to get through this recap when we can't even communicate on a very basic level? I don't probably, think we can even get started. Probably the same way that Chris Harrison and Luke proceeded, <laughs> which was a simple question followed by a minute of awkward silence, followed by 15 seconds of the same few regurgitated pre-planned lines. And some like And then the opposite of those lines just to be just to cover all the bases. Right. Like Look, I have no regrets, but thinking back, I do have, I have a lot all of regrets. Of them. Actually, all of them. Wait, how does everyone in the audience feel? <laughs> Did you approve of that sentence? Yes? No? Okay, we can move on. 
Guys, I have 12 <laughs> pages of notes because I could not stop compulsively transcribing everything that everyone okay, was saying. But in all seriousness, I have never <laughs> loved a men tell all more ever. This was incredible television. It was so cathartic. I have been very used to all the women tell all and men tell all episodes just being a bunch of people screaming over each other unintelligibly. Mm-hmm. And instead, there was there was a lot of like turn taking. Yeah, a common enemy really helped the men tell all. Special. It was. It felt like a. I don't know, like a an intervention or like a restorative justice circle. Restorative like, justice. Everyone is a good way was to put there it. for one purpose, and it was to address the misdeeds of Luke. Respectfully address the misdeeds of Luke, um, and I, I, you know, Chris Harrison was on uh, Juliet's podcast uh, this morning. Uh, with Lauren Zima, uh, who's filling in for Juliet. And so he was giving kind of his his take on the episode. Oh, I didn't listen. What did he say? So I'm going to have to revisit that probably a couple of times. But one of the things he said was that, you know, if the if production had been planning the show, if as many people think they do, if they've been scripting it, they would not have kept Luke around so long because they would sense that fatigue was setting in around Luke. I think that actually would have been a mistake. Like, I've never seen a season that didn't have a mid-season lull in the way that this one has avoided it because of Luke. And, like, there are sacrifices because of that. We haven't gotten to see Hannah's, you know, romance with probably the guy she's going to pick as clearly. But Hannah is in terms of sheer televisual drama. Yes. And then, and yes, it really gave Hannah a chance to shine. Right. I actually think, you know, Hannah is at her most articulate. She's really found herself. I do believe her when she says that this relationship taught her a lot about, you know, what she deserves in a relationship, Mm -hmm. what she wants to avoid. Mm -hmm. And she seems to see what happened between her and Luke incredibly clearly. She sees, she articulated the the manipulation of religion um, and, and the way that, you know, people in her faith community uh, sometimes wield religion as a weapon. Like, I just, I thought mm. that we really got to see Hannah growing, and I enjoyed her so much in these last mm-hmm. few episodes in a way that I found it difficult to connect with her at the beginning. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, we're going to get to the specific parts where this happens, but it must be so, edu- because so many people have been talking about this relationship and what it shows about toxic relationships and about potentially abusive relationships and spiritual abuse. And you really get the sense of what it would be like from Hannah to go through the worst relationship of your life and to have millions of people explaining what went wrong to you. (laughs) That she has really had such an opportunity to, like, grapple with the specifics of what happened and the dynamics behind it in a way that can be really hard to do on your own. Um, She's had so much input from other people. Um, but let's start with the actual recap. Well, yeah. So we start actually in a way we've never started a mental all. We start with some more of the action. So we start in Greece. Hannah is on the the eve of her last rose ceremony before the finale. Um, she has her hair done. She's in a dress that was had a very bold cutout. 
I liked it. I hated it. I liked it. I mean, most I people hated cannot. It so much. I didn't hate it. Normally, I would hate it, but I thought it was sort of interesting. It was interesting, but that's not always a good thing from the dress. No, you're opinion. you're right. But I was look. I was into it. I'm I just. Lo- I think I'm just into Hannah's style. It just looked like a bathing suit to me. But then there was a skirt. Anyway, there was. Uh, you're was not like, wrong, and yet I was still somewhat on. It board. was just sort of like a crop top attached to this a, a low set skirt by one strip of fabric. Um, but she looks great as always, um, despite the dress. And the three men that she knows she has remaining, Peter, Jed, and Tyler, are sort of ambling toward the rose ceremony as she reflects on their journey. And she says, you know, I still have three men who have loved me so fearlessly and so wholeheartedly. I love them all in different ways. I'm going to have to break up with someone I've fallen in love with. She's still not totally sure what she's going to do. She seems like she's made a decision, but that might, you know, she's just hoping that when she sees them, that will be confirmed as the right decision um and she says you know i finally really get the luke p thing i get everything the men have been saying about him i i can finally relate um and she says she has no regrets not an ounce of her misses him or wants him in her life she's like fuck that guy oh man she's glad she never has to see him again the use of profanity in this episode was just killer like i love a good a good fuck and these were wielded very well I mean, she was just off the leash. You know, the Hannah who was a little coy at the beginning of the season, and like with her sort of more school marmish, like, like I'm sorry, the old Hannah can't come to the phone. <laughs> She's dead. She's dead. <laughs> um, the three guys show up and greet Chris. Um, Peter says he's crazy in love with Hannah. Tyler says he's really confident. He loves this girl. She's a special girl. Jed is in a brown suit and is fine. Uh, he looks good. They all they all are very handsome. I'm not really a big fan of the chocolate brown suit, but that's my personal hang up. I have a lot of fashion critiques yeah, this episode. Neither am I normally, but like Jed Jed did it okay. It just it leans too much to for me into his like I'm a woodsy guy. Yeah, but yeah. I just there was don't that buy. like whole bearded thing. Bearded uh, like Nashville vibe. And so they yeah. think they're waiting for Luke to show up for the rose. Right. They don't know again. that he's been sent home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, meanwhile, Hannah's like, I'm so glad I never get have to see Luke again. And then there's Luke in an SUV making a Colton style just Insta story <laughs> video. I want to talk about his little monologue in the SUV oh, God. because every sentence he said was so individually Insane. disturbing. He says, well, Hannah thinks I'd never want to be with her after how she sent me away. You're like, but she is sadly mistaken. <laughs> yes. I was like, that's not something you that's... say about a woman who's going to be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> right, that's that not you proper still construction, I think, of, of the sentence that he was meaning to telegraph, but it was that probably like more correct. Yeah, it did sound like a threat. Because it was a threat. It was a threat. Also... Sir, this is not about the fact that she thinks you don't want to be with her. It's that she does not want to be with you, which he doesn't seem to hear at all. I think he does on some level believe that. I think that when he says he's sadly mistaken, that's true. I think that he is one of those guys who doesn't care like when, right, when it's, I was, about, it's about him. Right. And when I was younger, when I was little, I used to be like, I don't understand why a guy would like, you know, try to like control a woman who like didn't want to be with him anymore wouldn't it like make him sad that she to didn't want to be with him <laughs> rejected all the time but that is a thing that like you might feel like well she doesn't want this that's irrelevant like 
And I don't also, mind she, that it's she hurting doesn't her. want this because she thinks I judged her. But I'll just explain that actually I was just trying to lead her in the godly direction and then she will submit to me. I fully think that he doesn't care that she No, I think I think I agree. I think you're correct. I think he doesn't care that it will hurt her for him to show up. Like anyway, so he's like, you know, this isn't over for me. I still love her. I need to share my heart with her. Uh, he uses heart a lot in a in circumstances where it doesn't need to be used. Well, he needs to share his heart <laughs> and get things off his chest. She's never told him she loves him, but he knows she loves him without a doubt. He thinks she's making a big mistake, Which and he's is going to tell psych- her that. Which is a psychotic thing to assume. I've never assumed that someone is in love with me when they have not said it. I have, but usually after well, if they've if they've said it in the past and then they were like, now we're breaking up, then I've definitely done the thing that's like, I bet they still love me. <laughs> um but I think that she had told Luke enough that he felt like it had already happened and therefore he felt like she couldn't revoke it. Right. Well, she's not allowed to ever change her mind about things. Right. That would be crazy. Um, and he's like, she doesn't know it yet, but I'm on my way. Again, like a, a supervillain, like swooping in at the last minute. He's the closest thing The Bachelor has ever had to a true supervillain. Really incredible. He brings out a ring and he says, this is to show her how serious I am. So he said later on Instagram, and then I think deleted it. That production gave him the ring and that he had no intention of proposing. I'm sure production did give him a ring. Probably. But also... But also I don't trust anything Luke says. Right. Also, you have choices. Like, of course, production is facilitating all of this. They're on a show. Right. It is a production van. He is... I'm sure he had a conversation with a producer where they were like, yeah, you know, you might want to, like, go back and explain yourself. Like, maybe that would be a good idea. At the same time, he was there with that conversation... In that conversation with Hannah, she told him multiple times to leave. If he was a person who cared about what she wanted, there would have been no way to convince him to go back. But like, I, I believe he wanted to go back because he does not care about I think Luke what initiated Hannah going back, for sure. I yeah. don't believe that production, like, convinced him to do it. No, and they— and- and the thing is that it worked before. So, like, of course he thinks he can go back. Right. I guess. And my... there's a point later where Hannah's like, I've always been very clear in my decisions. And I was like, Hannah, compared to, like, every other lead ever, you have not been clear in your decisions. Like, that doesn't mean that he shouldn't listen to you. But, like, she has let him get away with that before. And so he thinks he can do it again. So he walks in and actually pulls a, a return move that I have never seen before. Which is he comes back and instead of approaching Hannah or having Chris or a producer approach Hannah, Luke's here and he wants to talk to you. He just shows up to the rose ceremony and stands there like he's part of it. And the other men don't know any better. Right. So they're just generally unhappy to see him because he's him. Yes. It's kind of incredible. It's like he thought maybe she just won't notice. She'll just be so thrilled to see me. Surprise. I was like, this is your plan is to pretend that didn't happen. Like she cussed you out as you left. Um, so Hannah, meanwhile, uh, is approaching the rose ceremony when she turns the corner. She's already looking pretty emotional because she's expecting a tough rose ceremony. She has to send home a guy who thinks they're getting married, basically. And she somehow looks 
even more upset when she sees Luke, who immediately steps forward to kind of meet her halfway. And she's just done. She will not give him an inch. He's like, I just want to talk to you. No, the first thing that happens is she says, why are you here? Yes. Like, she says that before he says anything. (laughs) So not a really inviting beginning, but he forges ahead. For so long. Um, He just can't leave until he gets some things off of his heart. Before it was off of mm -hmm. his chest. Now it's just off of his heart directly. The chest cavity has been opened. His heart is being weighed down by feelings, and he needs to get rid of them and put them on Hannah's heart. And she keeps saying, no, I'm done. And he says, well, I'll stand here all day until you talk to me. And then she, she just breaks. She says, no, the fuck you're not. I'm about to go psycho. Please leave. And you'll be surprised to hear that Luke uh, takes this in and then says, I just need clarity. <laughs> and Hannah says, I have clarity. This isn't about you. And he says, well, I won't leave until I have closure. And she says, yeah, you will leave because I've already sent you home. That's not how it works. And this is when the guys, all the other three guys, realize that Luke was sent home already. Jed's face in this <laughs> moment was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Because he, he's obviously aware that he's on camera. So he pauses for a moment. And then he just ever so slightly turns his head to Tyler, <laughs> wide-eyed, and like gives him the most confused side-eye, like, oh, My God. (laughs) I mean, the thing is that Hannah and Luke have had such a tempestuous relationship that almost until this point, you can see the guys being like, wow, she and Luke are in a really bad place. But like, I guess Guess she wanted to keep him around just just in case. Um, And so that it's only when she asks him to leave that they realize that and and that she's already sent him home that they realize what's happening. Um, Hannah says, uh, you know, I've been on an emotional roller coaster giving you chances to give clarity, and I'm not going to let you rewrite what you said the other night. I love that she said that because we've seen Luke consistently try to manipulate the narrative and tell Hannah that she just doesn't understand the words that have literally just come out of his mouth. Yeah. Um, and so I was really glad to see her articulate that. Yeah, she's she's starting to get uh, really savvy to his tactics. Um, and he says, I'm not here to rewrite. And then he says something really profound. How relationships work <laughs> is through communication. Oh, I laughed. I, I laughed what out loud at this. He thought was at that point that she was going to be like, oh, my God, oh. this whole time I've been refusing to communicate. But like, how can my relationship with Luke work without communication? Let's go talk in the house. Sir, do you not remember when you spent <laughs> Hours sitting on a like hill with her yelling at you, please just say how you feel to me. Oh, see, he learned that from her. <laughs> like everything else he says on the He this learned show. it from her, and then because he's the man, he needed to then teach it back to her. Yeah. As the leader in the relationship. <laughs> and then she starts to to say something in response, and he cuts her off and says, Listen, in a really firm tone of voice. She looks livid. And he says, this is my heart we're talking about here. And it's like, no, we're not talking about your heart. No one here is interested in your heart, This is not the moment for empathy for Luke. No one cares about Luke's heart at this moment. Which Hannah says. (laughs) She's like, this is not about your heart. Fucking leave. I'm so tired. You're so narcissistic. It's always my this, my that. You've already broken my heart like 15 times through this. So I'm sorry if your heart is broken. Luke then says something (laughs) astonishing. 
He says, my heart isn't broken yet because this isn't over for me. I'm still standing here. I haven't given up. And then we get the most iconic moment of the episode. Hannah looks at him, picks up the rose podium, (laughs) moves it around Luke, and just sets it down as though she is going to continue the rose ceremony as if he is not there. I mean, one of the things that was hard but also amazing to watch is how Hannah consistently throughout this tries to just act like he isn't there in hopes that he will just go away. He'll just go away. You know, as she has the initial interaction with him where she's like, please leave. We're done talking. I don't need to give you clarity. And then she sort of moves away and faces toward the guys instead. Um, So the podium is really her second more extreme attempt to physically indicate that she is no longer considering him to be present. (laughs) And it doesn't work. Lucas, I've never seen someone so oblivious to the dynamic of what's happening. And it's also, it is just a more pronounced version of what I think a lot of women navigate with men who invade their space. Like you're constantly, you know, on the street if someone approaches you, you're navigating how can I ignore this person? How can I get my point across without escalating the situation? Yeah. Uh, and Luke just will not take her feedback. Yeah. He will not take the rejection. He just refuses to accept there's it. There's almost something, although men's anger in this situation is very terrifying, there's almost something more terrifying to me about how calm he is, which is that he doesn't, it's not, it doesn't seem to be driven by some sort of extremity of emotion or some like out of mind experience he's having he is just like very calmly repeatedly violating her boundaries and disregarding her extreme distress it's chillingly cold and that's where that tendency towards you know sociopathy starts to come in like not to say that we can diagnose him we absolutely cannot but i understand why that's something that's a term that's being thrown around because there is something very inhuman about his lack of reaction and lack of ability to process the rejection over and over and over again. It just does not seem within the range of, like, normal human emotional reaction. Right. Like, I'm sure many of us have had really painful breakup conversations that went on longer than they should have. Absolutely. But, like, to he's so cool and calculated about it that there's no way for even those of us who have been in that situation to like it's robotic. to relate as a it's human to what he's doing. robotic and very weird. Um, so at this point uh, he follows her to the new point of the podium. Also Chris mentioned that they custom make those podiums for the show at each location and he was like it was good that it was made out of a very light material and this is right yeah sometimes they are like made out of marble. Right. Um, so he follows her and says, well, like, didn't you talk to Colton for closure after you left? And tries to confront her again. And then the other three guys come forward to intervene. And he's like, I'm just asking for a minute. And they say, we've given you plenty of minutes. Just go. Now they're just like the the rising furies here to defend Hannah. And Tyler sort of puts his hand on Luke's shoulder and Luke says, lay your hands off me. Like he's somehow like in this righteously victimized <laughs> situation. Well, if we know one thing about Luke, it's that he is always a righteous victim. Yes. And they're like, so what are you going to do if we don't? And Luke's like, I'm going to lick my hand. lick my fist. Yes. He sort of raises his fist to his mouth and then 
uh, licks it. I don't know why. Uh, just maybe a comforting thing he wanted to do for himself. Um, and I mean, this well, just <laughs> continues to go on. Tyler clarifies with her whether she actually sent him home, and she says yes. And Hannah, at this point, is just getting desperate. She yeah. asks Luke, why are you doing this? Like, what is this about? And he just, again, it does not He's like, why can't you see where I'm through. coming from? Why can't you just see where I'm coming from? And she's like, you've just had so many opportunities to get closure. I don't understand. Um, and this is when Chris Harrison comes up. And he says on, on uh, Bachelor Party that he was in the control room, which is like a hotel room just a few yards away. Seems to me like he could have come out sooner. <laughs> we but, do. We should keep in mind, though, that they always have a security person yeah, on and, set. Yeah, and the security guy yeah, came Polly out Yeah, was definitely too. there. Yes, he was. But I do think that they were hoping to, to milk the confrontation right up until the point where it would become physical. Absolutely. And we also see Chris poke the bear with both Hannah and Luke uh, later on in the episode. Yeah. He like, is, he's there for production. At this point, he's, you know, he's asking her, like, do you really want him to leave? Like, is that your decision? It's like she has been very clear on this. and repeatedly clear. Um, she's also just surrounded by guys at this point. Like, they zoom out and she's just in a circle of men in suits who are looking, staring at her with different levels of alarm. Um, but Hannah holds her own. She does not need to be saved, and that was cool to watch. Yeah, Luke. Luke was misunderstood. By the time that Luke comes up, that Chris comes up, Luke is still going. He's like, "It'll be really easy if you just give me a few minutes to talk." Um, As opposed to, like, again, this sounds like a threat, right? It's also like the the requests never end. She's given him so much time to talk, and he's still just like, "Can you just give me a few minutes to talk?" And it's like, so once I give you. Those few minutes to talk, you'll probably just want a few more. Well, Claire, I don't think you understand. Luke has been 100% misunderstood. God. So that's that's really what you're missing here is that Luke has been misunderstood. And it's important and that we just, have we a healthy dialogue have, on this show. Yeah, we need to have communication. That's uh, what this podcast relationship is all about. And then Luke says, you were leading with your emotions the other night. I know you weren't showing your true character. And Tyler says, why are you telling her who she is, bro? <sighs> Tyler, my friend. <laughs> Tyler just keeps interjecting with some like casually like feminist <laughs> statements. Um, and uh, also, what an astounding statement! Again, he wants to assure her that don't worry. I know that the things that you said just really weren't you, and what you meant was the I thing love I you. wanted you to yeah. say. Um, and then Luke's, yeah, Luke's like, you didn't understand what I was trying to say. And Hannah says, I'll let everybody know what you said. You literally asked, you said, like, if you had sex with anybody here, if you had sex with anybody here, went into a fantasy suite with anybody, I would remove myself. But I know you wouldn't do that. And Tyler <laughs> just whispers at this point, you're a fucking joke, man. Bro, you're a fucking joke, bro. Always bro. Bro. Yeah, I was going to say man, um, but no, it was bro. Uh, and Luke says, well, I do not want to be misunderstood and have that be the reason I go home. Uh, he's been very clear on that throughout the season. <laughs> What's incredible is that he also doesn't want to go home because he was very well understood. He just doesn't want to go home <laughs> for any particular reason. Even though doing like going home would mean being re- reunited with his brother and with his prayer circle. Like there are a lot of great things at home, Luke. Like maybe you should just go there. I think Luke is very clear uh, that he would like to remain on television. <laughs> 
Um, and she, he's like, I know that you still have feelings for me. And she says, I did longer than I wanted to, but I've been praying for clarity. And the moment you said those things to me and judged me, uh, I knew, you know, the way you talked was not how I talk about these things. And Luke says, I was 100% misunderstood. And I know for a fact you didn't understand what I was trying to tell you. Never have I ever judged you, and never will I ever. So this is please the worst don't put game those words of never have I ever. I <laughs> never have I ever judged Hannah for having sex in a fantasy suite. Actually, you know what? That for me, that's an accurate statement. <laughs> and never will I ever. Never will I ever is not a game that you play usually outside of like Christian circles. I'm kidding. That's not a game you play anywhere. No, I'm now just picturing Luke at like Bible camp sitting in a circle playing Never I, Will I, I Ever. I think you could consider like a purity ball sort of a game of Never Will I Ever. A conceptual game of Never Will I Ever. <laughs> um, so Hannah's like, there's nothing to talk about. The Lord has allowed this weird connection I had with you to disappear and there's not one part of me that has any regret for what I've done. So, no, you don't know how I feel. And I'm, then Chris asks her what she wants to do. Okay. <laughs> like, Chris. And it's like, as I've said 1,000 times, I do not want Luke to physically be in this space. And then Luke looks at her and acts as if it's the first time that she has said this. And he says, can you honestly look me in the eye and say you don't love me and have no feelings for me? And she says, yes. And Luke says, okay. That's all I need to hear. Luke, she has said this a hundred times. I, I think he's misunderstanding why she's avoiding his eyes. And it's not because she feels such a powerful bond with him still that she's like lying to herself by sending him home. It's because she like is so viscerally repulsed by his presence. It, it's because as she says when he leaves, what the fuck? I fucking hate that guy. Really incredible. <laughs> like I can't, what a roller coaster to like turn on a dime from being like I've never felt this way about a man before I think he might be my soulmate to I cannot stand anything about this person you know in the space of like one day. But also who among us has not at one point thought that someone, you know, might be it and then thought, you know what? Fuck that guy. Honestly, I never have I've I've uh, had a very I, I think I've had a, a fuck that guy feeling. Well, and about, I think that I I, I get this thing that Hannah had too because like it's very psychically uncomfortable to admit to yourself that that you loved someone that you like assigned value to someone that you admired and respected someone who doesn't deserve it. It's much easier to resolve that by even saying like. What a great person. Like, I chose really well, but it didn't work out, you know? And it's it's much more of a rupture in a lot of ways to have to be like, I fucked that one up big time. And that's – but, you know, she finally – she does it. And that's and when it's someone like Luke, that's what you have to do. Um, so at this point, Luke uh, – Chris pulls her aside and says, you know what? Luke had a ring in his pocket and he was ready to propose. Hannah's face is just – jaw dropping she is so confused i don't i didn't understand why chris was telling her this because he wanted a reaction chris is chris is not hannah's friend that's how i felt it was just so weird it like in the moment i'm sure this wasn't actually what chris was trying to do he was just like we never got the ring reveal so i need to i need to bring it up but in the moment it felt like he was trying to convince her to talk to luke again like he was like he 
like he really was convinced that like you had this deep relationship and he was ready to propose to you. And I was like, what you're doing is giving her information that seems like it might make her question whether she threw away something but it did that not. she wanted. But it didn't, fortunately. Uh, and this is where we get the three men remaining just living their best lives. This was the music cues were incredible during this section. Jed and Tyler and Peter are just giddy. They're like doing these in the moments right by the rose ceremony. Peter's like, we still have a rose ceremony to go through, but this is a good day. The Luke show is over. The Luke show's been canceled. <laughs> and there's just this like really happy romantic move- music behind them. Jed great. is like, I think this means Hannah really hears me. And I was like, I don't think that you had anything to do with it. No, I think decision. this means that Hannah really heard Luke. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we break down a whole lot more from the men tell all. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life. And I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and like take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love to see it. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A dot com. I am so glad that it's finally warming up. And it also means that 
I just want to have fun this summer and I don't want to be worrying about meal prep. And luckily, I can do something about that with Factor, especially because they have so many meal options like Protein Plus, Keto, Vegetarian, something for every diet. Their fresh, never frozen meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Make your whole day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. I love having a few factor meals just sitting in my fridge, especially because I work from home. It's so nice to finish up a taping and not have to figure out what to cook myself. Just look in my fridge and be like, oh, in two minutes, I can be eating mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice or tomato basil chicken risotto or Santa Fe style green chili beef skillet. And they always have a nice like vegetable side. It feels well balanced. I feel full after and it's not a headache at all. Head to factormeals.com slash LTSI 50 and use code LTSI 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code LTSI 50 at factormeals.com slash LTSI 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while or even not that long knows that we love article. I mean, honestly, I'm looking around my home right now. Coffee tables from article. That lovely chair out on my deck. Article. Our big console. Article. I'm My bed frame. Article. This is an article household. It is. And it's, I mean, it was an inspiration to me. We finally got our first article piece of furniture recently, our new couch. And my husband and I are both constantly just like, how did we live before this couch? This is such an improvement over what we had before. It's so comfortable. It just seems to get more comfortable every day. I mean, it's the couch you dream of. 
And the reason that we have both been able to find ideal furniture on Article is because Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some really delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. And their team of designers are all about finding that perfect balance between style, quality, and price because we all want the best of all of those three things united in one piece of furniture, right? Plus, they're dedicated to thoughtful craftsmanship that stands the test of time and, you know, looks good doing it. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Before we get back to the show, are you coming to our live show this Thursday night? If so, you might want to watch the first ever episode of The Bachelor because we're going to be talking about it. You can watch it on TubiTV.com. That's T-U-B-I-T-V.com. And do you want or really need more Here to Make Friends? Then check out our video series at YouTube.com slash HuffPost. It's a little different from the podcast. Every week we highlight standout moments from each episode and award some superlatives. Again, you can find us at YouTube.com slash HuffPost or at HuffPost.com. And now back to the show. At this point, we cut to the studio that is the end of the the new footage for today, and we're just going to be doing Men Tell All. Because we're point. getting a two-night finale. Which means we still don't have any new eliminations. <laughs> um, so we're going into finale week with three guys still on the docket, as it were. Um, but we're starting Men Tell All also in a strange way, which is they just bring out Luke alone for a one-to-one sit-down. And according to Reality Steve, they filmed just Luke and Chris Harrison for about two hours. That makes sense to me. I mean, there were a lot of pauses, so that probably took up an hour. (laughs) Yeah, one hour of actual speaking. Um, I also love that he brought out Luke, and there was, like, a pause, and then there was very tepid tepid applause. applause. (laughs) And I was like, oh, they really had to be like, guys, you're supposed to applaud, like flashing applause sign. Like this is part of the production. No one wants to applaud for Luke. Um, So Chris asks Luke, you know, what he was hoping for basically out of his final return. And he takes a long pause, the first of many. And he says that he wanted clarity or closure he really felt like Hannah was making a huge mistake. She didn't give him a chance to speak his heart. And if she had, he wouldn't have gone back. I do not believe him. <laughs> and Chris is like, hadn't that ship kind of sailed? Because she gave you time. And when you said what you said about the fantasy suite and how you'd step out of the competition, you had your say. It just went poorly. And so you wanted another say. Um. And Luke is like, I really need to clarify this so everyone can understand. What he said was not clear that followed this. Like, I feel like he actually made it less clear. And I think what happened is he watched the show back and tried to come up with some sort of narrative for how he could have been less to blame. 
and fit it to what was actually shown rather than like recounting what actually happened. Also, he he's clearly trying to play both sides here. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want anyone to think that he judged Hannah, but also he wants to make it clear that he judged Hannah. He judged Hannah and did not want a wife that was impure. Right. Also, and that was a choice for himself. But also in making that choice for himself, he refused to remove himself from the situation. Right. He was making it for Hannah as well. Yeah. He it's it's kind of incredible. Yeah. Just, I wow. mean, so he talks about how he was just asking this question for himself and like he just wanted to know if they were on the same page. And then she turned on him and she felt like he was judging her just for asking a question, like just asking a question. He was blindsided. He was absolutely blindsided by how she handled this conversation. And then he brings up the fact that they're on this show where she's dating multiple guys and he's not looking at it as unorthodox in any way. It's just like he's dating someone. Sir, you are on a reality TV dating show. Yeah, that's not really a justification because that literally is the situation. And then and then he proceeds to slut shame her. Right. He's like, <laughs> I don't get to see her other dates. I don't get to see her straddle or mount or slop, swap saliva with these other guys. I just want to point out that Luke was like the first guy that she got really down and dirty with. Right, Jed walks in on them giving each other sexy massages, like half yeah. naked. He like stripped down with her on at a cocktail party and like they like massaged each other and like made out half naked. Yes, because the and concern he was here with that. is that Hannah has sullied herself with the other men. Yes. That's unacceptable. And he brings this up also that he thought later he brings up that he thought that he was such a front runner that, in fact, Hannah would end production on the show <laughs> and send all the other guys home. Which is certainly normally how it works. Yeah. I was like, do you think that no one's ever had like a really someone? clear front runner from the beginning on the show before? And yet they do the whole show. Like, that's just that how it works. how their contract works also. In fact, the main thing, the main threat to a relationship like that is the the contestant who is the front runner becoming really possessive and in their head about having to go through the process and sabotaging the relationship. Like that right, is that is the common narrative. Right. There's either a relationship where the front runner, you know, is protected enough and stays cool enough and it works out and they get picked in the end after going through the whole process or there's the one where the narr- the front runner self-sabotages. But there has never been a case where the show just ends early. Um so I mean Chris takes this line of, you know, I respect your beliefs. I respect that you feel this way about sex before marriage. But Hannah did make that choice. And so I'm surprised you didn't just walk away. Yeah. Chris is clearly allowing Luke during this entire conversation to hang himself by his own words. He does not go on the offensive, which Mm -hmm. at first frustrated me. And then I was like, oh, no, I actually see exactly what you're doing. And this makes sense. And like, you know what? I get it. A lot of people are totally fine with that belief system. I personally think it's harmful to women, right. and so I, I'm not super okay with that belief system. Right. I, I bristle at it for the same reasons, um, but also, of course, everyone is welcome to operate in yeah. their you know, sex lives the way that they want to, in their right. faith the way that they want to, as long as they are not harming other people. The problem is that then is... you're part of a community where that's imposed on other right. people. Exactly. It is harmful. And, like, I, I even remember being really into my virginity as a kid, as, like, a teenager— 
and and not ever thinking that I could exert that kind of influence over my future spouse. Like the the way that this is practiced against women is so different from how it's applied to men in practice. Um, and it is reinforces these patriarchal harms to women. But I get that, like, Chris is not going to take that that line. He's going to be like, it's totally fine as long as you are consistent and as long as you, like, keep it really about yourself. And, and you I, didn't. And I think this is the most baffling thing about Luke's justification is that he he repeatedly says this was just about a choice for me and my faith. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, he said if you have had sex with someone else, I would want to remove myself. She says, okay, I have done that. So why did he not then remove himself? It's as though, again, he wants to play both sides. He wants to be the generous one who would be open to working through her, you know, moral slip up if she has done this, but also assume that she has kept herself pure for him. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he seems to view his flexibility as as a generosity towards her. Absolutely. Which, you know, it's it's not. And (laughs) I this is when he talks about how he made a mistake and his mistake was making Hannah out to be a perfect woman with all the qualities he wanted. (laughs) That is the only mistake. Nothing he did. It's just that. Well, the, what's he thought she was too good. What's interesting to me about this framing is that it seems clear that he does not think it's a mistake to expect that kind of perfection from a wife, but rather that he thought Hannah embodied it. Right. But his mistake was his choice of woman, but having a, a standard of perfection for, for his wife is good. Um, and that's actually the wrong way around. <laughs> like, he was wrong to frame Hannah as perfect, but the real concern is that he expects, expects anyone per- to be perfect. Exactly. Um, and so he says, you know, I really thought we loved each other. And and so I wanted to to fight for her. And Chris says, well, it's true. Like, she did really care about you. You were a front runner or it wouldn't have gone as long, on as long as it did. But it all it was very contentious. You had these conflicts over your faith and it caused a catastrophic event in your relationship, which sounds sort of to me like what, you know, when there's like a a massive power outage at a hospital or something like they're like all these small things happened and suddenly a catastrophic event. Um, And Luke says, I would agree with that. And then his eyes go glassy for a few for a few seconds. And he starts sort of smiles to himself. And Chris is finally like, what are you thinking? His small little smirks are so creepy. And you can see them even more clearly because he's clean shaven. (laughs) And he says, I'm trying to think of how to explain everything you just mentioned so it can be clear. It's a tough one. He constantly throughout this is doing the same thing to Chris that he did to Hannah, as Chris mentions on Bachelor Party, which is the sort of condescending implication that the other person is incapable of understanding what's going on, but that Luke understands perfectly. It was incredible. At one point, he even says to Chris, Chris, think about what you're asking, as though Chris has not carefully planned this interview and really thought through the questions he wants to ask, as though Chris has not done hundreds, if not thousands, of interviews at this point. Yeah, Chris knows what's going on. Chris knows. Chris knows what he's asking. (laughs) Um, And so at this point, he mentions how Hannah brought up his pride, and he did have pride. He was very arrogant. You could tell that Luke had, had gone into this uh, the way, you know, most villains 
do if they want to be taken seriously or come off well, which is I'm going to sit there. I'm going to take it. I'm going to own a limited number of my flaws and mistakes, and I'm just going to be silent the rest of the time. But because Luke is so disingenuous all the time, like, this does not work for him. Yeah. Um, Luke spends a lot of time thinking about how he's going to to address things, but the result is not a more actual thoughtful answer at any point. Um, and they have this conversation where Luke says, you know, it's true. I was very prideful. He doesn't think he's a narcissist. He thinks that's pushing it a little far. And then he says, because relationships are a two-way street, which is just irrelevant. Like, what does a relationship having a two— well, what does a relationship being a two-way street have to do with whether one of those people is a narcissist? Nothing. Like, it's just a non sequitur. Um, but that's he has these platitudes about relationships that he thinks sort of will get him what he wants. Right. If like, he just says it's it It's about enough. communication. Or he thinks that it's a platitude that will justify his behavior. Like, it's a two-way street. Or that I are, just needed to get something off of my heart. Right. I just need closure. He just says these things, even if they don't really make much right. sense. Right, he in thinks context. they're like magical incantations <laughs> that will that will bring the temperature down and allow him to be like a warded space for his thoughts. Um, and he says, you know, I was in love with Hannah. I still love her. I still want the best for her. I will boldly say that, and I boldly will say that I know she's not the person for me. We've all known she is not your person, in fact, because she decided but it's really, she wanted nothing to do with it's you. It's really bold for him to say it, though, don't you think? It's just, it's really bold. He puts it's like in as, mind of, like, the Christian martyrs lies. entering the lion's den. I mean, in Luke's mind, he is certainly a martyr. Absolutely. Um, and this is when Chris asks if Luke made mistakes, and he pauses for a long time and then says, if I could go back, I wouldn't change a thing. The audience is just... So confused. This is the only time I have really appreciated the little cuts to audience members because they all just look astounded <laughs> at everything Luke says. Also, his pauses give them a lot of time to cut to the audience for reactions. Yeah, and they're just – the audience members are just putting their hands in front of their faces at various times, like mouthing things to each other, like what yeah. is going on? So this is one of the clearest moments when Luke sees that his answer, which he thought would make him seem, I think – like someone who is steadfast and someone who learns from mistakes and right i think he he was definitely trying to get across that i wouldn't change a thing because i've learned as a man but he doesn't say that second part he just says yeah. i wouldn't change anything and then and he everyone's realizes horrified it's played poorly and so he goes back and says the opposite he says actually if i could go back i would obviously change lots of things right but it's not obvious because you actually just said I wouldn't change a thing, which usually right. does not mean the same thing as I would change lots of things. He has never really seemed to grasp that the reason he is like, quote unquote, misunderstood is because he says things <laughs> that mean things and other people <laughs> take them at them. face value. Um, and he doesn't he thinks that instead they should take away whatever meaning is flattering to him. The thing that is so incredible about Luke, and I, I said this to you last night when we were watching, uh, is is that so much of The Bachelor and Bachelorette often operates on coy subtext, mm -hmm. but Luke is not very smart, so he's just text. Yeah. There is no subtext to Luke. It is all text. Right. If he's trying to play both sides, he is just literally his machinations. He just says them both really <laughs> openly in quick succession. 
Um, he will say, you know, some, you know, that he feels a man should lead a woman, but then also say he wants an independent woman and not really feel the need to shade the the contradiction there. He just says both of the things because he wants the reaction that to he To both of the things. To both of the things. He wants the good reaction from most of the audience and he wants the good reaction from the the hardcore like Christian, Christian right. traditional family. Exactly. Um so at this point though they talk a little bit about how things went with the guys in the house. Uh and he is very proud of himself to admit that he bold face lied to Lucas about their sideline confrontation. Uh, and he clearly feels like he's going to get a pat on the back for admitting that. It's like, no, we all knew. We all know you lied. Yes. Um, but he says, you know, it's hard to be in a situation where the whole house thinks you're crazy and that you're a liar. He's like, I watched the season. I didn't like that Luke P guy, which is something villains tend to like kind of say. It's yeah. like, I watched it. And like, who's that and crazy who is guy that up person? there? I don't it's recognize not me. Um, and he's like, but it was hard to be the guy, you know, who was neglected and disrespected and jabbed at constantly. And yeah, sure, I'm sure that it was difficult to but feel I think socially it was difficult isolated for them too. Like, right? He, so he's also borderline abusive, right? Um, so my empathy is limited. Of in in general, because sometimes you get a villain who truly is the villain because they don't fit in. Because they're awkward and they have a harder time making friends. And so, you know, if an Olivia, for example, says it it was hard to be socially isolated and misunderstood, you kind of you get where that's coming from. These things are not the same. Yeah. Luke actively lied to the guys. He body slammed one of them. He was incredibly manipulative. Yeah. I mean, his, condescending. his position was basically I made these guys feel unsafe and and manipulated. And that was hard for me. And that was hard for me. And like they should have basically continued to treat me as one of them as if I were not presenting as like an imminent threat. And also as Connor <laughs> points out later, uh, there were a handful of men who did stay out of confrontation with Luke, who did repeatedly give him chances and accept his apologies. And his behavior never changed. It, it change. only escalated. Exactly. Um, and he says, you know, and hard, but harder than that, than being isolated in the house, was that the woman he thought was the woman of his dreams was struggling to confide in him and was questioning him, his integrity. In fact, she openly questioned him to his face. And he says, from day one, I felt like I was on a rescue mission for Hannah. I thought I was something, something who'd be good for her and a future husband. And at this point, Chris, you know, picks up on this and says, so you just said... You were on a rescue mission in, in my mind. And I'm going to say in in anyone's mind who is listening to that statement, that sounds to me like you think she needed to be saved. And Luke's like, oh, wait. That <laughs> let me, he says, wait, let wait. me back He's up. He's like, oh, no, that won't play well. In fact, I don't want to be misconstrued. She definitely didn't want need to be saved. I just meant from all the other men. I needed to save her from all the other men. So yeah, he's so he's saying, let me back up. I don't want to be misunderstood. I don't think she needed to be saved. I do think she needed to be saved from the other men. <laughs> that was a particularly bad rescue attempt uh, of his own words on his part. And then, uh, so this at this point, 
Devin, uh, Devin can, just shows up. Devin cannot contain himself. Clearly, the guys have been backstage. <laughs> He's They're, broken free from yeah. his handlers. Stumbles. I, I, think, I think that they are literally in the wings at this point, all of them, because we're about to get to the segment where they are brought out. So we have to imagine that they have been sitting there, getting riled up for two hours watching this shit. Devin has been given uh, a mic, uh, like a a mic in his ear by an earpiece by someone and he just comes out Chris Chris he's lit so Chris is like who who is that he can't see it first it's Devin and Devin sits down and he just lays it out he says I have to call out bullshit when I see it my my blood's been boiling and he says there are two kinds of men out there ones who want strong independent women and ones who want women they can control. And he feels right now that Luke is a type of man who wants a woman he can control to feel better about himself. And that's not a man. And what blows his mind is that Luke is saying he was on a rescue mission, but it seems like the only thing Hannah ever needed rescuing from was Luke. And he even says, look, I get it. You're you're young. People make mistakes. It takes time to become the man that you want to be. But You've had a long, a long, you know, road of making mistakes without correcting them. Uh, and I just it was great. It it was honestly a really risky move. I feel like a guy who kind of interjects himself into this moment it rarely does not looks good. Go well, but he looked good. And also he had a very like astounding crimson red suit on. with a little rose like in, amazing oh, like embroidered on there. It. I loved it, too. This was really <laughs> Devin's shining moment. It didn't feel it didn't really feel like a grab for attention because I think he was expressing what a lot of the audience yeah. felt and a, what a lot of the other men felt. And he and articulated it well. I think Chris was taking a, a specific role, a, and a good role, I think, that the role he should have taken was to give Luke a lot of space to to open up and to sort of prod him on certain things, but not to come out with a judgment. But at a certain point, you do want a figure there who's going to be like... Here's what's fucked up about what you're saying. And that that's the role Devin served in this moment. And he um, did it well. He didn't personalize it right. too much. Um, and I think he did a good job of kind of articulating that this is a, a, a cultural problem. And he's, he's right. There are men who view women as props, who view women as, you know, trophies that they can win or possess Mm -hmm. and that is how luke has seemed to operate with hannah the whole time he decided who she was and therefore he spent the whole season trying to mold her to that image yeah um so chris sends Devin off stage um before luke responds and then he asks luke is that what you want a woman you can keep on the shelf in a glass case and pull down when you need good line good line more more than chris would normally say yeah um and Luke looks pissed. But I thought he was going to punch someone. He doesn't have a quick response to this. He pauses and then through gritted teeth he says, just give me a second, Chris. Right. The great thing is that at first he is like, Chris, are you going to let him leave without letting me respond? But then when Chris gives him time to respond, he has prepared nothing. He has no response. <laughs> I mean, what's crazy is that if you – don't feel that way, it's a very easy thing to respond to. So, like, what he's taking the time to do is to resolve the fact that he does feel that way with the fact that he knows he can't say that. (laughs) Right. So he finally says, the last thing that I want and the last thing I'll ever do is control a woman. 
we see audience members rolling their eyes at this because, of course, we have witnessed him doing this. This next part is just incredible. I do want an independent woman for my future wife. I want a woman that will make decisions for herself. Although a man is supposed to lead and guide a woman in a relationship. These things are contradictory. Like, if you want an independent wife. Then you're not guiding her. Then you're not leading and guiding her. Like, he needs to own the fact that he has these very patriarchal traditional views about relationships. What he's saying is that I want the socially acceptable concept of an independent woman. But the independent, quote unquote, woman that I want is one who will be making decisions on her own that just happen to exactly line up with what I desire in that moment. I mean, what he's describing is basically like a really well-behaved teenager. Like, obviously, I'm in charge of them, but I want them to be able to make good decisions for themselves. Well, he wants the illusion of independence. Well, but it's, it is He wants the a way... woman who will say, I make my own decisions right. and what I choose is to re- remain pure for my husband and be led, like, well, but exactly. be led by him. That is the way that you treat a child who is not yet out of the house, which is, of course, you want them to make good decisions without having to be told what to do all the time. But you expect those decisions to be shaped by your expectations and to be like subject to your like evaluation in a way that we normally in this day and age do not expect a, a spouse's um, behavior to be treated by by their by their spouse. We expect that more of a child that you are still molding into an adult. Um, and he wants to keep his wife sort of frozen in that state. Um, so at this point, all the guys come out. But Finally. Luke, Luke remains in the hot seat. On stage, we have many men I do not remember at all. Like the first five. I had no <laughs> idea who they were. Ryan, Darren, Brian, Matt Donald. How can you not remember Matt I Donald? I did remember Matt Donald. Mateo. Uh, he of the sperm bank. Cam. Uh, the guy who right, did this some is when I This is when I started to know who they were. Yes. Uh, Devin, Dustin, Grant, Jonathan, John Paul Jones, Luke S., Dylan, Connor, Garrett, and Mike. Mike gets the loudest applause, which I was very pleased with. And and John Paul Jones is probably number two. I feel like they were trying to make John Paul Jones happen so hard in this episode. Well, I think he's going to be a real character on Paradise. Maybe. It just felt like a little. I was like, is anyone really talking about John Paul Jones? Maybe. I. It's The problem is that Luke has been, has been so dominant on this season. I think it's been more better television than a lot of seasons that are more evenly spread out but then that means they're still trying to make the side characters happen and they just they didn't really happen organically on screen because they barely got any camera time right i do think that we will get to know a lot of these men better um in a few short weeks and i I look forward to that but as of now like they're basically no one to me (laughs) um so luke starts out by saying like from the beginning, you could tell that I had it in the bag. <laughs> this is when he says, I thought Hannah was just going to call the show off and send the guys Incredible home. opener. It's a good way to ingratiate yourself right. with the other men. He's like, I had a target on my back. Front runner. First impression rose. Nothing I said. No apology. It was going to work. They weren't going to listen. I tried my best, but like I just eventually had to give up. It's sort of the gist of his, of his opening remarks. And Mike... <sighs> Mike takes this on first. He My says, other sweet prince. You put that target on yourself. We gave each other a clean slate and you went out of your lane and continued to do stupid crap. You are a narcissistic, cantankerous misogynist. Your future wife is going to be a prisoner of you unless you change. I loved this. 
I, I was mean, speechless wow. when I when that wow. happened. We gasped. Yes. We audibly gasped. For once, Emma and I watched the first half of this episode together at a at a viewing party. For yeah, with Charlene and Michael and Derek and Kayla. It was it was it, actually a delight. It was really fun to actually we mostly watch alone to see people reacting in the room to this highly dramatic episode. Um but that is the sort of commentary um, that you rarely get to see on the show. Often the men tell all dialogue is very personal, like, oh, you said that rude thing to me, like, you hurt my feelings, everyone yelling at each other. This was them really, like, indicting him as a partner. And, and as, indicting the culture as a result, right. you know, kind of in the same way that we saw some of the men really going in on Lee and articulating concepts about race and racism Mm -hmm. that we haven't heard directly addressed on the show. This felt like a version of that, but instead about about misogyny. Yeah. I mean, have we ever heard the term misogyny on the show? Maybe maybe we have. Yes. We always feel like it's the first time. Okay, it it just comes around so rarely. You're right. We definitely have. But it's still... You know what I don't think we've heard on the show before is cantankerous. A good SAT word. He really just whipped that right out. (laughs) I Um, love Mike. But when he said your wife is going to be a prisoner, I was like, that is a very, very intense thing to say. But I think it's something that someone like Luke needs to hear. Right. And he didn't say this is automatically going to happen. He said if you don't learn to change. Right. So he is giving – they're all, I think, quite generously giving Luke the space to grow and acknowledging Mm -hmm. that you are 24. Yeah. Take this and change the way that you think about women. Change the way you think about relationships. Uh, Luke does not take any of this in. Of course not. Connor then speaks up. I enjoyed Connor tonight. Oh, I really enjoyed Connor. Poor Connor. I'm glad he's going to be on Paradise. I wanted more from Connor on the show, to be honest. Like, his his date basically got canceled. Like, he was always getting interrupted. I think he's a sweetie. I think he and Hannah are, you know, they're the same age, but he seems like a a real sweetheart. I could just see them dating in real life. Um, Um, Before we get into it, I want to say that Connor posted on Instagram mm. and he said, you know, I want to give everyone some context on what I said to Luke P tonight. Like, I guess he posted before it aired. Um, What you didn't see on TV is that I was one of the only people to give Luke a chance and at times the only person who would speak to him later on in the season. I -hmm. gave him words of encouragement before his dates and discussed with him how he was feeling. Week after week, some event occurred with Luke that impacted the time everyone had with Hannah. And even though that happened, I gave him the benefit of the doubt until it just reached a point where I was honestly over it like everyone else. It was incredibly frustrating to live through that and watch it back on TV because of how he negatively impacted everyone's experience, including Hannah's. Throughout the show, I only focused my attention on building my relationship with Hannah. Uh, and the men tell all was the first time I had spoken to Luke since I left the show in the Netherlands. And I was infuriated because of how his actions impacted me, along with watching some things back that I was not aware of originally. I wish that what I had I had said what I said in a different way, but along with all of the other guys, I, along with all the other guys, um, are allowed to 100% speak our minds. There is a difference between bullying and calling someone out who has been toxic to this entire experience. And I agree. I don't wish he'd said it differently. Me too. I loved it. But I do. I think he was responding to the fact that Luke has been out there claiming that he is bullied. Um, And what Connor uh, says, actually, is first I want to give you the only compliment you'll get tonight, which is that I respect you for coming here and stepping into this firestorm. Um, but, you know, 
you can you kept apologizing every week there was a new apology but actions speak louder than words we were waiting for your actions to change and they didn't he says i wish i'd said this earlier and this makes more sense now yeah. with the context but fuck you man you're a liar manipulative and controlling and i honestly think you're a psychopath everything you hear tonight you deserve i loved this it was great it made me wish i mean now i wish we had seen more of of connor well, i and think luke. we are getting him on paradise and luke i mean oh yes their, their dynamic right because it right. would have been more impactful right clearly he felt like i've given this guy a right. lot of leeway i've I've spoken with him. I've tried to develop a relation with relationship with him. And here's Luke claiming that everyone was against him from day one. No one gave him a chance. And you can understand why that is so frustrating for them to hear. Right. Especially when they feel like, hey, man, we only went after you after we had spent weeks living in, like, three rooms with you and repeatedly seeing you lie. Yeah. And then they watch this back, and it's even worse. It's even worse. <laughs> um, and Luke says, you know, it hurts me to watch this season. And well, it I'm... hurt him. Yeah, it hurt him. Uh, he, That's and what's this important is his here. Re- refrain. It hurt me to watch that season. I acted out of my character. I was prideful. I boldface lied to some of you. Again, he seems to expect a really big reaction like, to this admission. No. Um, and he says, I hope you can support me as I work on those things and forgive me. Um. And Mike says, I completely do not accept your apology <laughs> because a few minutes ago, Chris asked if you'd change anything about what you did. And you said no. Um, and Garrett says, well, you know, you're like a five-year-old that apologizes when they get caught with their hand in the cookie jar. You apologize after you get caught, but you don't take accountability. He's right. Um, the way you reacted to her decision bothered us. You tried to tell her what she could and couldn't do. It's her decision. Um, and then Grant pipes up. Grant is great. We liked Grant when he was on the show. He always seemed a little bit confused as to why he was still there, but he said some kind of great things, and last night was was no exception. Grant actually starts out being very generous to Luke by saying, you should apologize to Peter, Jed, and Tyler for how you handled the rose ceremony. It was very out of your character. I would argue that it is exactly in line with Luke's character. It was very generous of him to concede that perhaps this was a moment that, as Luke said, he was acting out of his character. And instead of taking this this life raft that has been thrown to him, he says, "How was? may I ask how that was out of my character? (laughs) And Grant just looks, again, flabbergasted. And he says, Luke, when someone says no, it means no. And then he looks around. He's like, doesn't, right? We all agree that with that. This is where like, we start to get into the range of people speaking up about Luke in a way that feels also a little self-promotional. Like, he was like, right, everyone's with me here. The crowd, they're with me. Like, no means no. No means no. But also, it we really are at the point where uh, the most basic concepts about consent need to be laid out i mean in the me too era hashtag me too (laughs) uh i really appreciate that we're having this conversation uh cam uh says luke and this is really where people start to make it about them them. he says luke we didn't have any immediate drama but i'm grateful because you're making me look like a freaking saint and everyone's like why are we talking about you cam no one cares um and he says no means no and go means go and then he asks if Luke P. apologized to Luke S. for the body slam. And Luke S. says, yes, but then the next night you told Hannah, you said you'd tell Hannah I was there for the right reasons, and you didn't. And Luke just kind of can't respond to this. Because, yes, that is in fact what happened. So Mateo pipes up to smooth things over a bit and says, you know, it 
must have been really hard. You could see the stress and pain on his face from being socially isolated later in the season. And watching this being humiliated week after week couldn't have been easy. I think he's been punished enough. The thing is that, like, I would agree with that if it seemed like Luke had learned anything. And sometimes we do have a villain come on and get kicked around and you're sort of like, they've learned their lesson. They've learned. They've taken it. It's all been said. But, right, Luke hasn't taken any of this in, so it needs to be said to him over and over Like, And it's not about punishing, even. It's about—it's not about, like, you've been punished enough. It's It's about about, accountability. Right. You still are not really experiencing full accountability. You haven't really taken any of the lessons you need to take away from this in order to be like a healthy person for other people to interact with um chris brings up the question of virginity and how neither of them were virgins was luke being hypocritical and luke says not at all and then he says think about what you're asking chris like chris really doesn't grasp what he's asking chris is like yeah, I, I understand what I'm asking. I'm asking, are you a hypocrite because neither of you were virgins? And he tries to explain what a born-again virgin is to Chris. Like, again, like we've never heard of this concept. Right, as though Sean Lowe wasn't The Bachelor. Uh, on the very franchise that brought us the the most famous the born-again virgin of all time. Yeah. Uh, and, like, again, just sort of fails to really satisfactorily explain how he handled that interaction with Hannah. So Luke pipes up, or Jonathan pops up at this point and says, you know, Luke, you and I connected over our shared faith, but after I left the show, what I saw from your behavior wasn't Christian-like, and we all have our own way of living our faith, but to project it onto someone else is not the right way to do it. I was really glad uh, to hear someone else who, again, could came from that same general community articulate that i think it gives it a lot of weight to see other christians speaking up and saying like this is not the way that we want to see our community represented and this is not the way that we want to see this you know gospel treated like as a weapon essentially and a lot of that burden has been on hannah on the show to, to to deal with as we've seen on social media a lot of christians flinging abuse at her and calling her you know, a slut, basically, and 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 supporting Luke's behavior. And Hannah has been taking on the burden of being the other Christian voice in the room while also defending her own behavior. And so it is great to see someone else speaking up about that from a slightly more neutral position um, and supporting her. Um, Luke, at this point, is given one more chance to speak by Chris. And he just says it hurts that you can't – it hurts me that you can't accept my apology, and I hope you can forgive me. Luke's main takeaway from this is that he's hurt. It's amazing that he thinks it will have any impact on them at this point that he tells them that he is hurt. Like, he's like, it's going to make them feel really bad (laughs) against all the evidence (laughs) that they do not care anymore. Um, So when we come back, Luke is sitting with the guys, but he immediately interrupts, even though he just got a final chance to speak. He decides he needs to. This is just classic Luke being like, can I just have a moment more to speak? And it's like, we just gave you a moment more to speak. And apparently that's not good enough. Um, so he interrupts and says, you know, it was really hard for me being on the show. You guys only know me in the Bachelor bubble. You don't really know who I am. And Connor says, you know, we all support you. And what comes next, we'll forgive you when, when we see that you've changed. I think that was really generous. of him. I agree. 
Um, but it's time for John frankly, Paul Jones. The the momentum of the show kind of dips when we focus on the other guys. John Paul Jones comes up to the hot seat. They're really trying to make this happen. It's just I don't know. I don't even. I really yeah. don't have much to say. It was more of a spectacle. It was like a lighthearted little segment. Chris is just like people loved you on the show, and he's like, yeah, it's crazy. People loved me. I don't know. And Honestly, I was like, did they? I I had forgotten that he even I let Hannah cut him. off a lock of his hair, me but too. apparently this is a thing. But a terrifying thing happens, which is that a woman <laughs> calls out and asks to come down to the stage with a giant pair of scissors in her hands. And I was like, I hope she was extremely well vetted because they let her come down on the stage with talent with, with, a, a, weapon. with a weapon in her hands. <laughs> like, I'm not allowed to take scissors a fraction of that length on an airplane and I have no criminal record. So just, you know, putting that out there. Um, and then she asks if she can cut off a lock of his hair and he agrees. And I was like, okay, that's his choice. But, like, that's a really fucking creepy position to put him in. Like, he doesn't know you. I don't like that. I don't like it either. No, it's gross. Um, So then Chris brings out chicken nuggets for all of them because of John Paul Jones's classic chicken nuggets moments that I no longer remember. Yeah, again, one of those things that I just forgot was a thing. But everyone gets a snack, which I support. Yeah. So what I love to see was Mike's time in the hot seat. I thought that they were definitely giving Mike a possible bachelor Me edit. Me too. Which is I great. was so excited about this. I also thought it was notable that they called him Big Mike, the way that Rachel was Big Rach in the house. Oh. Um, and I suspect this is partially because Mike was just literally the oldest one, as was yeah. Rachel. They're both, like, wise and in their 30s. And probably a big guy because large. I think Hannah had a large... like a tall season yes Connor is extremely tall and Tyler is extremely tall apparently a lot of them are very tall that you don't even notice because the other guys are also tall I don't think I don't think Jed is a small man but But next to Tyler he looks small right exactly I think Jed is like average height like probably taller than average be, well, because next to Luke, he looks like a couple inches taller, and Luke is, I Luke guess, is like 5'8". Like five eight. Eight. Yeah. But who can trust these men? Yeah. You know, they're all very tall except for Luke. And uh, they bring out Mike, and everyone cheers. Mike has his big, dimply smile on. He's so cute. They, watch, they rewatch his breakup. Um, and Mike says, yeah, you know, as soon as the night portion of that date began, I knew something was up. Um, and it's really hard always to be told you deserve to be loved fiercely, but that that person won't be the person to do it. Um, he talks about his family, his sister, his mom and his grandma, and how he would have loved to introduce someone as deserving as Hannah to them. Um, and it's something he takes very seriously. He's brought home one woman in 10 years. Again, this is all the kind of bachelor fodder of, like, this is a man who's serious about love. Like, this is a man who's ready to find the right woman. This is a man who loves women and respects them. Like, And also who genuinely, you know, loved Hannah, yes. but also has gone through the process of healing. Right. He loves Hannah, but he recognizes that ultimately— he wasn't the one for her, and he still is carrying that energy into his future future dating. I also love that when he was asked, you know, kind of what he wants to get out of seeing Hannah, he says, you know, I want closure, which is what we normally hear from, from guys in his position. But also, he wants to see that she's okay and to let her know that he still thinks she's fine as hell and she's independent. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I, too, want my ex-boyfriends to come up and be like, I just want you to know. Seriously. You're fine as hell. 
I know. Why has that never happened? Yeah, me? what a dream. Um, so Hannah Hannah shows up at this point for her turn in the hot seat, um, and she says, honestly, immediately sort of starts nodding to the Luke situation. Um, she says that she feels blessed to have had them on the journey, and she's grateful that they stuck with her when she made decisions that they may not have understood. Um, Chris asks her what she noticed watching it back that she didn't at the time. And Hannah says, you know, going back to the beginning with Luke, she had real feelings. She really felt something very similar to falling in love at first sight. But and then she gets very insightful. And again, this is where I really felt like she maybe benefited from how much analysis there is of her season that she seemed to have a very similar beat on it to many people who are breaking it down. This was really really interesting. I don't think that we too often get a bachelor or bachelorette being really honest with about the ways that they've struggled in that role or mm-hmm. or at least not articulating it in the way that she did. Um yeah, she talks about how she thinks her holding on to Luke had a lot to do with her own insecurities about whether she was disappointing to these men or whether these men you know were actually there for her and I think that's what we had taken away from watching it and so it was cool to see that she had also gone through that process of thinking about about that yeah I feel like you rarely see a lead with that kind of openness to 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 accepting and like Hannah talks a lot about accepting her flaws and often it seems like that's all talk. Right. Or that it's just a platitude or that right. she like, what are those flaws? Um, but but in this moment, I really felt like where she where, where past leads might have gotten really defensive or not really wanted to fully engage with what was going on. She was like, I was insecure about being the bachelorette. He came out and said, I'm really there for you. And he gave me something to hold on to some feeling that like I was good enough. Um, and. She's learned a lot from that relationship. And Chris asks Luke what he'd say to Hannah. And Luke says just that he's sorry he made the process difficult. And he thanks her for teaching him about how to self-reflect and open up. It is just crazy considering, like, how he's been slamming her on social media. Right. That he's going to sit there and pretend like he's, like, so grateful to her and, like, really sorry. And then he continues to slam her. Like, they got in, like, a whole Twitter fight, like, I think, you know, the day after they filmed this. Right. This is, again, it's the kind of thing that if another quote-unquote villain had said those words, they might have played very differently. Right. Honestly, I think that he could have de-escalated things with Hannah by directing his followers of, you know, from the Christian community away from harassing her by being like, Hannah and I, you know, disagreed, but I know she's a woman of faith and she's on her own journey. But instead, he continued to act very condescending and judgmental of her on social media and emboldened his fans to harass her, to harass her. And then out here Instagramming people commenting, being like, wow, Luke, what a victim. So sad to see such a man of God be made into a villain, like retweeting people, uh, mocking Hannah on Twitter. Like what? Like, this is not a good guy. Yeah, so of course she takes that apology with very little weight. Um, she just sort of laughs and says, I appreciate those words. 
I do hope you learned, but I think there's a lot of fruit that needs to be grown from you. <laughs> the Luke tree has she's, not borne fruit. She's leaning heavily on the on the religious uh, vocabulary during this conversation. Which, honestly, understandably. yeah. At this point, she's probably like, these are the only terms that you might understand. Yeah. And this is another moment Chris asks about how religion played into this, where she seems to be drawing on or or have, having a similar thought process to a lot of the analysis of her season, which is, I wanted a man of God who shared my values, but that was weaponized against me. I was threatened by our shared faith. And then she says, people that believe what I do often do that. They use faith and scripture to call out specific things other people do. And the basis of what I believe is love and not shaming. This was, again, really, really interesting because we often see very uh, religious Christians on the show. And we see them usually say, again, coded things that signal to that community. It's very interesting for me to see someone like Hannah, who is within this community, openly critique it. Yeah, that really surprised me. And I'm sure that she has been facing a lot of that recently. And so she's feeling particularly like heated about it. But it's um, still, I, I think, yeah, a brave thing to I say agree. on national TV. I absolutely agree. Um, what's So then they have this conversation about whether she felt shamed by her conversation with Luke. And one thing that kind of doesn't really come up, but that I think is relevant, um, is that he's not the first contestant to ask the lead if they had sex with the other contestants in the fantasy suites. But I think he is the first person that we saw do it in that context. It's not uncommon, I think, to ask when you're off screen or right. even after the show is over. And that can also be really controlling and bad, as we may with remember from Andy. Andy. And Josh, she wrote in her memoir about how Josh asked her about having slept with Nick in the fantasy suite and then became very angry with her. And and But you also hear about you know, women on the show struggling with having learned that their new fiancé had had slept with other contestants. Right. It's not that this is something that you're not allowed to wonder about or not allowed to be just viscerally bothered by because, yes, thinking about a person that you have feelings for being intimate physically or emotionally with someone else, I would imagine, is is difficult. Of like, course. But that's not what this is. The thing is that, like, because that's something every contestant struggles with, and we know that. Because it's baked into the structure of the show. Because it's baked into the show. He made a very specific choice. Shortly before he was probably about to have off-camera time with her to discuss something like this, he made a very specific choice to publicly question, question her. her and to publicly set her up to be judged based on whether she had adhered to to his standards. Right. Of and again, using their shared faith as a weapon against her. Exactly. Um and he then he asks her, Luke asks her, didn't you tell me that, you know, don't judge me about the fantasy suites because I won't be using them for sex? And Hannah's like, I didn't say that. And also they aren't used for sex. You've never had one, so you don't know that, but it's about more than sex. And that was kind of a weird thing. Like, for the first time, he's bringing up the idea that she had maybe sort of promised to him that she wouldn't have sex. I guess my feeling is even if she did say something that suggested that perhaps she wouldn't be having sex, maybe she she meant, you know, my focus in the fantasy suites is not just 
carnal. Right. Um, but also, she's her own person. She's right. allowed to think she didn't want to have sex and then decide what I want in this moment is to sleep with this person. Right. Like, that is... That is her choice. He's also not a reliable narrator. So. Right. I, not that I trust him, but I'm saying even in the version of events that hews more closely to what he's saying, like, she does not owe him that. Exactly. Um, and again, if he wanted to revisit any conversation they might have had about that, he Talk can do that off, off camera. camera. And and also, as we dissected last time, maybe do it a little differently. <laughs> um, so... I also thought it was really interesting that she, you know, Chris asked her if she felt shame. She says, yes, of course. Um, and then she says, Luke is the one who's obsessed with sex. Yes. And I think that this is also a really interesting critique of purity culture as a whole, mm-hmm. where because there is this focus on chastity, sex be- kind of becomes this obsession in a way that it might not be if you aren't so focused on chastity because mm-hmm. you're instead looking at the totality of a relationship and perhaps that includes sexual intimacy of some kind, perhaps it doesn't, but that is not the focal point. And I think that also plays into what she's saying about the fantasy suite not being, quote, used for sex. Right. Like that might be an element of what happens in a fantasy suite, but the fantasy suite is off camera time to ha- have candid conversations, to get whatever you need in a more private setting. Sex. You know, sex. Which could include sex. Could and there's no sex. shame in that. Yes. No, it's true. I mean, it, it is. It's also like what you brought up about his pride, which is that like there's this fixation on sex as like the sin and right. the, the sin that must be avoided at all costs. The sin from which there is no recovery unless I guess you're a born again virgin. But like every other sin is just sort of something that happens all the time here and there. And you feel bad and you basically try to do better. But it is not expected that you like abstain from all sin that's unrealistic Uh, sex alone you really have to be completely perfect um so you know this is where she has her kind of final word on on the slut shaming she says you know i'm glad that i made up my own mind i would have always had a what if if i had just listened to the guys and sent him home based on that but that night i really saw it i saw behavior i wouldn't put up with um, I'm so over being slut-shamed and being made to feel like I'm not a woman of God because of it. I make mistakes, and so does everyone. That's what grace is for. And I'm not going to accept that having sex in a windmill is a scarlet letter on her chest. Just think, like, centuries ago, the great American authors were <laughs> condemning purity culture, and we really haven't moved past that no. yet. Um, and... She says in the fantasy suites, it was just about having a relationship where I grew very close to the men and knew their hearts. It's not just about what happened physically. And Chris asks Luke if that makes sense. And he says, yes. And then our sweet Prince Mike pipes back up and says, you know, he speaks for the rest of the men when he says that they all support her. They know she did the right thing in her own time and they all have her back, which I thought was really sweet. Yeah. And then we just have like a sort of brisk wrap up of her connections with some of the other guys Luke leaves um, according to reality Steve this was not like him leaving in a huff this had been pre-planned he had to go to a wedding that he I was mean, in I mean and Chris says like he yeah, has he had, to catch a flight um, but just in case anyone like that the, everyone knew Luke was going to be leaving yeah um, so she chats with Mike she's like I'll, I, it was really hard to say goodbye to you 
I'm going to be your fan forever. She, I think she is hashtag Mike for Bachelor. I agree. I hope. It seems um, like it. And I think it was really telling and kind of what we had taken away uh, from their relationship was that, which was that Mike was really an important support system for mm-hmm. her. And she says kind of as much. And she says, it. I was so upset because you leaving really felt like I was losing something. Yeah. And and we see this often, I think, especially with bachelorettes who develop a really deep kind of platonic intimacy with one or two of the men in the house. And so then losing, it's like losing their like best friend mm-hmm. and confidant. Yeah. And, you know, they're very similar. I think that he would be... Whereas we talk about Peter as sort of like the quintessential bachelor candidate, I think he would bring something different. He's got more of a bubbly energy. I think he would handle being bachelor differently from someone like Ben Higgins or like Ari. And I think it would be really fun to watch. So I would love to see him as bachelor. I think he would handle the the many deep conversations better than Tyler, who I'm not sure how he would be able to veer off script. Um, as much as I enjoy Tyler um, as a person. So I'm really hoping that this was his big Bachelor edit. Um, I think he might show up on Paradise, and and that might also affect the decision. Um, she she ties things up with Garrett, um, and he says he's wondering if any of them could have said more to help her get rid of Luke earlier. And she says, yeah, I've thought about what if you'd told me certain things? What if the guys had said this or that? And Garrett says, we were scared. And Hannah's like, I know. I would have told you to stay in your freaking lane. I'm scary. Um, But she does say, again, she doesn't regret how it happened. She feels like the relationship with Luke is one a lot of women can relate to. It was, you know, a toxic relationship like many women have. And maybe going through that in front of America and figuring it out for herself could help someone that's in it now and can help people see the signs. And she thinks that's worth everything that happened. And, like... I think I'm conflicted about this. I think it was probably really hard for a lot of women to watch that relationship. But I do think that it was a very strong reminder of how difficult it can be to find your way out of that kind of entanglement. Um, and and so maybe it, it was actually a, a positive conversation. Yeah, I think I think that it sparked – I would argue that it did spark a positive dialogue and spark some – conversations within the context of the show that we haven't seen and that is again broadcast to a really wide audience so that is important but I also want to emphasize that it shouldn't be on women to be exposed to trauma and expose their trauma for people to be able to learn these really kind of basic lessons about humanity and how other people should be treated Mm -hmm. Um, and I hope we can reach a point where Women don't have to constantly expose their trauma in order for us to get there. And yet entertainment is born of trauma. It is. Unfortunately. Yeah, I know. And it's something that, like, obviously we've expressed our own uh, conflicted feelings about. But overall, I I do think that this was a pretty made for a pretty fascinating season and uh, made for some, you know, gave us some important takeaways that I think especially the younger audiences that watch these shows, those are important important things to see articulated by someone you might admire. Yeah. And I think part of what made it so hard to watch was actually a really positive aspect, which is that it was accurately, I think, portrayed as very scary and abusive and harmful. Whereas in the past, I think there have been contestants with a similar 
tactics, similar energy, um, who have been winners, you know, who have been framed as right, like Josh. Murray. Exactly. And and so to see that dynamic really exposed um, as opposed to being papered over, um, I think was was a really good step forward. Um, and and Hannah got out of it and she's fine now, I think. I hope we'll find out next week. Um <laughs> We get some bloopers, um, and before we say goodbye, Hannah adds uh, of her own <laughs> volition <laughs> an apology to Bachelor Nation for how long the the Luke situation. She just speaks directly out. to us all. Yes, um, which you know I don't. I, I get. I, I she, get it. I get yeah. that. You know, she definitely. In her position, I would feel the same way that I like through my decisions perpetuated this. But um, I, I think, think she, she suffered more than anyone. Yeah, she does so. not owe us an apology. But I did think it was kind of cute and funny. She said, "She says it's it's my fault and a lot his, but I did it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm tired of talking about him. The Luke show is canceled. We will not renew his season. God bless the United States of America. Roll Tide." <laughs> Oh, Hannah. Just super on brand. Yeah. And just, you know, very good beauty queen speech. I thought it was I thought it was cute and funny. And it's nice to see she hasn't lost her sense of humor. Absolutely. Um, I just want to call out uh, the last thing I almost forgot. Cam did a freestyle during a time in the hot seat that we blessedly did not (laughs) witness. I'm really glad that that ended up on the cutting room floor. Me too. Um, he's like, I have one thing to say, and he gets up, and all the guys are like, like, oh, God, he's going to freestyle. And I was like, I appreciate knowing that they all hate Cam's freestyling as much as I do. Um, He does a very terrible rap and uh, and exits the hot seat, and I was just like, they had to squeeze in one more of these white dude raps this season, Um, and I question that decision by The Bachelor. But that's it. And next week, we will come back with all three guys to find out in a two-part finale for which we will be doing two podcasts. And uh, Nick and Sarah are just so brave and bold and raw to be doing this with us. Um, so bold. So raw. And we can't wait to, to talk about that with all of you next week. And now it's time for Feminism Fails, otherwise known as... The renewal of the Luke show. (sighs) I think we, you know, really dug into the individual feminism fails, which all stemmed from Luke's gaslighting, Luke's misogyny, Luke's weaponization of religion. Luke saying that a man should guide a woman in a relationship, which also, by the way, super heteronormative, but who's surprised by that at this point? I mean, everything that Luke said was deeply problematic. And, and was a five on the feminism fail scale. Fives across the board. But I am really grateful that we had a lot of men stepping up on the show to to call those things out in the moment. And, and I applaud that. Yeah. Some real feminist allyship. And uh, you love to see it. <laughs> 
And that's it for Here to Make Friends. Thanks to our producers, Nick Offenberg and Sarah Patterson. Please subscribe to Here to Make Friends wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a moment of Hannah's season recaps and, of course, Bachelor in Paradise coming up soon. You can also give us a five-star rating and review. It helps other people find our show. Give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Here to Make Friends Pod. And you can follow us individually on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. We'll be back next week for the finale of The Bachelorette. And if you're still listening, are you coming to our live show this Thursday night? If so, you might want to watch the first ever episode of The Bachelor because we're going to be talking about it. You can watch it on tubitv.com. That's T-U-B-I-T-V.com. And also, we will be running the live show as a bonus episode. So, you know, you can watch the first episode of The Bachelor whether you're coming to the live show or not. Yeah, barring any catastrophic events. And do you need more Here to Make Friends? Check out our video series at youtube.com slash HuffPost. It's a little different from the podcast. Every week, we highlight standout moments from each episode and award superlatives. Again, you can find us at youtube.com slash HuffPost or at HuffPost.com. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.